open your Bibles to the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. We're in the second half of chapter 13. Considered to be one of the more difficult chapters, it is certainly one of those chapters of the Bible that people who know very little of their Bible are very convinced that they have the proper interpretation of this particular aspect of the Bible. But um, unless you are greatly familiar with the Bible, you're going to come up with all sorts of interpretations of this thing. Um, but let's just read together chapter 13, verses 11 through 18. Now let's go to the Lord first. Father God, thank you for the gift of your Son. And thank you, Jesus, for this revelation of yourself. And we do pray that you would... Um, not just have it something to be something that we hear. The world can hear it, but the church is edified by it. So we pray that we would be edified by your word, we'd be transformed by your word, and even if there are those who have yet to put their faith and trust in you, that, that they would be called to do so, and by your power you would grant them faith that would come by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word read, preached and applied, and that you would um, give us ears to hear so that we might have hearts to obey. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Revelation 13, beginning in verse 11, the word of the Lord. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. Those mor whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. The word of the Lord. Just to first point out, in case I don't get to this point later, in chapter, in verse 18, uh, this calls for wisdom, and the Lord says that he gives wisdom freely to those who ask without discrimination, so we should pray for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding um, calculate the number. So wisdom and understanding, and this comes from Daniel, and what we're going to see, hopefully you've seen as we've been going through the book of Revelation, lots of the symbolism is from Daniel. There's also some from other prophets elsewhere, but Daniel is one of the key ones, and in chapter 13, particularly in these, this section, this pericope, um, Daniel is just flooded in this, so that you have to understand what's what was going on then and there as well. But wisdom and understanding. And you see that also in Daniel when he's talking about these visions of last time things. It uses um, Hebrew words for this, but it's the same thing, wisdom and understanding. It's the idea that you need to be of the faith 
and that you need to listen and that you need to discern these things spiritually, not simply that you need to be real smart. So if that were the case, um, a lot of you might be able to do it, but I'd be right out of this thing. But it's the wisdom that we don't have without Christ and understanding that we have without that we don't have without Christ. So it's a formula for here's a revelation, and it calls for more than just listening with your ears. You must listen with eyes of faith and with your heart. So where we are in our story is, and remember, I wish I'd said this before I read it, but just don't try to interpret it as you read it. Just let it hit you as you read it. I mean, it's like as a beast. There's, he's doing this thing with the first beast, and you know, he's making an image, and he's got to make it a more. You know, all these things we can get lost as we read, trying to say, "What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean?" And and we don't read it like children, where you just let the imagery speak first. Then we can kind of start digging into a little deeper and saying, "All right, what is what's all going on here?" And and what we see right here in this particular section. Um, you have this false trinity that's now been completely shown. You have the dragon, the first beast, and the second beast. And if you look in chapter 16, verse 13 of Revelation, you'll see, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. That's going to be a fun verse to get to. But the second beast here is called the false prophet. And so we see that elsewhere. So first beast, second beast, they're different ones, but um, the second one is called the false prophet. But this is an imitation of the Holy Trinity. This is, um, you know, instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. The dragon, if you want to 12.9, we're told who the dragon is. Um, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So this is Satan. The dragon is Satan. Keep in mind, thrown down to earth. Didn't choose it. He's in heaven accusing the brothers before God. Jesus Christ ascends into heaven. He presents himself. He's um, coronated. Um, his, his kingdom is, is given to him. And he rules from heaven. And the dragon, Satan, is cast down to earth. And then what we see in chapter 13, 1 through 10, is this first beast coming up out of the sea. So the dragon stands on the seashore. The sand of the sea. So a couple things are going on. One, he's in between, you know, this, these two things. And so when a beast comes up out of the sea and the beast comes out of the earth, he's the real power behind it. Um, another thing is it's sandy. You know, it's not like he's on the solid ground. And so what Satan wants the world to believe um, as he uses, and we saw that the first beast is basically well, it is demonized state power, so that's what it represents, or governments who are fascistic, totalitarian in nature, who seek to steal, kill, and destroy, and they are powered by Satan. It's the teaching of Revelation 13, 1 through 10. So, again, this dragon, Satan comes down, he's on the seashore, he's got this beast, this demonized state power coming up out of the ocean. And you've got this next false prophet that's coming up, and we've seen some of the things he's doing. He's coming up out of the earth. And so one of the things that we see um, as you see people who are currently being deceived, and 
one of the things I think we have to be careful of are two things. One, we are living in the last days. It's, scripture says we are. The last days being the time from Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension to the time of his second coming. These are the last days. There's not another um, epoch of salvation coming. There's not another way of grace coming. This is it. We're living in the last days. We're going to get to a time when, yeah, the clock is ticking and there's only so much left. I mean, we're there now, too. There's only so much time left. But we don't know, as bad as it seems, if you look closely enough, you know, we could say there's lots of things to point to. It looks like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't make it into the next you know, 10, 20, 30 years, maybe. Or, also, you should not be surprised to find out that in you know, years coming, school children are hearing about, uh, I heard somebody say, uh, now, where in the timeline is Athanasius and C.S. Lewis? I get them confused. Because you know, they're going to be so far away from us that they're like, you know, I don't, these are just history people. So it's possible that this world will continue for quite some time yet. So where are we in the story? And what God tells us is, you're in the last days. You are going to die. <laughs> you don't have but so much time. Make the most of your days. It's better to go into the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Teach us to number our days. Make the most of your time, for the days are evil. And so that's what we're called to do. God is the one who chooses times and seasons, not Satan. This is not Satan rubbing his hands and going, I mean, he is doing that. He's, ha now I have them. It's like, well, only because God's up there manipulating things. He's allowing Satan to do things, restraining Satan from doing things. And there seems to be, and we'll get to it later in the timeline, there's a time when the restrainers are moved. It does seem the evil marches on. It gets to be this huge you know, time of, of um, terrible you know, things that are happening. So we tend to think, well, it must be us because terrible things are happening. It's like, my goodness, there's <laughs> terrible things are happening in other parts of the world of which we don't know. Things have happened terribly in the past of which I'm sure we don't know, and things will continue to happen. But the church is supposed to be continuing to grow. The church is like a kingdom. It's like the, a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds, but it grows bigger and bigger and bigger so that this is what's supposed to be happening with the kingdom. But there are times that we look back in history of the church where it grew very dark. Dark ages and things like this. It grew very dark. And, and the church could very well have said, this has to be it. But then there's the uh, Great Awakenings. There's different movements of God where things happen. And I choose to look at this as Christ is building his church. Um, there are lots of things that are happening, and Satan is clearly at work, and he seems to be overplaying his hand, as he tends to do, and so that believers can wake up and say, wait a minute, this stuff is more real than I thought. I need to think about things. I've had more phone calls and conversations from nominal Christians who don't really go to church who are asking, what's the market to be? Should I get vaccinated? Can I not do this thing? Do I have to? What's all these things? It's like... It's so interesting because I never imagined when I was in seminary that I'd have to answer somebody's question as to whether they'd have to get vaccinated or not. Why is this? Because it's satanic right now. Not the vaccine itself necessarily, but the way it's being handled. The way government is trying to be God. And this is what we see. So watch out for this sort of thing. Um, what the world and fascistic, demonized governments want us to believe is, this is all there is. 
this is it. There is no transcendent God. There is no transcendent reality. There is only here and now. There's only this secular stuff. Even the way they want us to talk about science for secular scientists is it's a closed system. You can't do anything outside the system. It's nothing outside the system. And we as believers can see these things and say, where did everything come from? Ex nihilo nihil fit. Out of nothing, nothing comes. It's like you have, there's, that's, that's outside the system. Sorry. And then we can also see, as far as even Darwinian evolution, there's no mechanism for interspecies jumps. I mean, we understand DNA. We understand these things now. It's like you can't get from you know, gnats to people or wherever the timeline comes from so that there's this miraculous things. When I was young, they used to teach us what people believed back in the day, which was um, spontaneous generation, that things would just arise out of wherever. They would just spontaneously generate. We know now, not possible. But what the world wants people to believe is this is it. Material, that's it. And that's why you have the dragon on the seashore, the false prophet coming out of the sea, and the, false, the first beast coming out of the sea, and the false prophet coming out of the land. It's earthly. It's all earthly. And if you notice the number of 666, it, is, it says it's the number of a man. In Greek, they don't use indefinite articles, such as a or an. They use definite articles like the and and, that, and like the, <laughs> but it's just it's a human number, it's a it's a man number. It's it's a it's and we'll get to it in just a moment. But the idea with it is it's all just here, and that's what Satan wants us to believe. He's been cast out of heaven. He doesn't want us to believe in that. He doesn't want us to believe in the transcendent realities that are there. So even uh, religions that are starting to pop back up, pagan religions, um, Wicca, things like this, they use the term spirituality, but it's all based on earthly spirituality. It's, it's all created realities. And maybe there's something, a force or impersonal transcendence or something, but what, what Satan wants us to believe is um, you do not walk by faith, you walk by sight. And I can take care of that. If you get a person that does not believe in a transcendent reality, they don't believe in God, they don't believe in Jesus, it's like, what is there? Well, mama loves her baby, daddy loves you too. <laughs> you know, here I am, I'll take care of you. Um, the, the song, Ball of Confusion, you know, vote for me and I'll set you free. You know, and it's just, you've you got to have something worldly to take care of your worldly problems because this is all there is. The church comes along with its little, oh yeah, but you know you got to worry about hell. Goodness gracious, you, you got morality. Stop it. And so that's what we can see happening. So you've got this dragon, but if you go back to Revelation chapter 10, Satan is cast down to the earth. But God himself, and this is most likely, you know, maybe Jesus Christ, this mighty angel or whatever, that's the opposite of this. This is what the dragon is trying to reproduce in his way here because he knows that he wants to be worshipped, but he doesn't want to be, uh, he doesn't want to lead you to too much transcendent reality because then you might start thinking, well, what about God and Jesus and 
and ultimate justice. Um, verse 10, chapter 10 in Revelation, I saw another mighty angel coming down from the heaven. So this is you know, God wrapped in a cloud, a rainbow over his head. His face was like the sun, his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. He's not in the seashore. He's over all things. And he called out with a loud voice, like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but her voice from heaven saying, seal it up. Um, what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants the prophet. And so you see the difference between the dragon who's standing on the seashore he raises up these powers from the earth and you got the mighty angel that comes down and says i made all that god made all this this belongs to me i'm in total control over all these things these are usurpers and tyrants and people that and powers that are at work behind the realities of things we see and for he who has ears to hear and eyes to see for he who has wisdom and understanding you need to note that it's just a human number it's 666. It's just short of perfection. 777. 777. It's not that. Trying to come up with a name. Um, here's a couple of good quotes that I have here about that. Let's see. Um, It's easy to turn a name into a number. So one of the guys that talk, writes about this, he's like, here's what you do. You get in, so I tried, it's like somehow I can get my name to come up to be 666. So I played with it a little bit. And then I started having to go to other languages. And at that point, I'm like, uh, I'm out. I don't have time for this. But if I had time, I guarantee you I could have got my name in some way to come up to be 666. Because what you do is... Uh, it's called gematria, and that's something they, they did used to do. The Hebrews would do it. You take A means a number one, B means a number two, C. So, you know, if you have, a, if you have the word um, cab, that'd be three plus one plus two, which is six. Ooh, come up with a six right there. Cat, cat, cat. I never thought about that before. Is that six? Is that right? Three, four, five, six? Cats. <laughs> what? Cab. Oh, I feel better now. My poor kitty cat. For a minute there, I was, I was worried about that. So I made a little mistake there. Sorry. It burned all the books I wrote about that. And that tends to be what happens when people do these kind of things. Didn't mean to do. Okay, so cab. Cabs are. See? Be careful of cabs. Just use Uber and whatever else. Um, but, yeah, so you can. what you do is you take a name, you add it up. If it doesn't come to enough, add a title to it. Okay, so you do that, and it doesn't come up to enough. Well, change it to another language and then do that. And if that doesn't work, so what, one of the famous ones and the most popular, um, which is a, a possibility, is that it is Caesar Nero. And so if you take um, Neron Kaiser um, in Greek and you take those letters, and you don't translate it in the Hebrew, you transliterate it. In other words, you take... Um, 
K, the k, k sound, and you use the kaf in Hebrew, and you do each one of those with the sounds of the letters, then you add those letters up, and son of gun at 666. And it's like trying to come up with that from what John said was you'd almost have to know who he was talking about before he wrote, so why didn't he just say the name? Two other places in Revelation, whenever he's talking about a different language, he mentions it. He says, which in Hebrew is this, or which in Hebrew is that? Um, the, it's very easy, and here's the quote, it's very easy to turn a name into a number, but it's hard to deduce a right name from a number. Okay, so if I give you a number for you to know what name that is, is very difficult. Plus, why would John do it? And some of the reasoning is um, he didn't want his manuscripts captured by the government, and they're like, he's talking about Caesar Nero, and not passing that along. Well, one, he, he's already, <laughs> he's already, um, I, um, isolated on the island because of preaching the word, so he's not really worried about that. Uh, it wouldn't take long for somebody to come up with the idea. Somebody came up with it, and so they could have immediately started causing problems then. It just doesn't make much sense that he would go to the trouble of disguising the name if that name was so important. And another quote is, we can't infer much from the fact that a key fits the lock if it is a lock in which almost every key will turn. So if that makes any sense to you, it's like you can just come up with so many names that are going to add up to 666. By the way, the number is in Hebrew, in, I mean in Greek is 666, not just 666, which is 666. But um, I just know, and you know, people, maybe you've even done it yourself. You get groceries and it adds up to like $6.66. It's like you know, one of the greatest sellers of chewing gum is Christians who don't want their receipts to come to 666. And uh, I know you see your speedometers roll over at all sixes. I mean, we all have this little, and it's like, okay, well, that's fine. It's good. I'm glad people are somewhat, you know, in scripture and it's in popular culture. You know, what it was, um, what's the one with Damien, that stuff or something. Then you have like a 666 or something in the movie is like, you got a little 666, you know, somebody's cutting your hair and they see that 666. It's like, oh my goodness. I mean, just, I don't know. Anybody that comes into power, rather than looking at their tax returns, let's shave their heads and check them for a tattoo or something. And, you know, that sort of thing. And it just, I don't mean to, to mock it, but it's difficult to say that um, we need to calculate <clears throat> to calc <clears throat> excuse me to come up with a calculation to come up with who the name is um, Ronald R Wilson Reagan was one and that was just because he had six letters in each of his names it's like well, okay um, was it Henry Kissinger for a long time it was him and I don't remember how they get to that but it was like that was just like that was a very popular one for a while um, but there's so much preaching on this end time stuff particularly focused on this part of it that it has saturated our thinking in such a way that we just have these paradigms of thought that when I'm literally talking to friends of mine that I think are Christians, they don't go to church, but they profess faith, and they've just been living worldly for a long time, and now they're faced with certain things that they think are pushing against their belief system. Um, they don't want to hear what I have to say about how to interpret Revelation because they know that it's supposed to be. It's like, you're not even... So I'm going to go read it again. It's like, how are you going to read it? You're just going to read it and say, to me, this sounds like, it's like, oh, you need some, you know, you need to, are you also going to read, read Daniel? 
study Daniel, you know, study some of the other of the prophets, get a book that does a good job of this kind of thing. And there's even people who will say, well, we shouldn't do that. I should just be able to read the Bible, and God speaks to me and tells me, and, and not just with Revelation. I mean, and I've also heard people say, you know, this Revelation is very difficult to understand. So you're saying the rest of the Bible is very simple to understand. You know, it's like there's lots of depth that's there. And if all you do is call biblicism, if you put, you know, ten people in a room by themselves with a Bible and say, you know, I know you're new to this, you've never read a Bible before, but give me certain um, theologies of these particular subjects, and you're going to have reproduced all the major heresies from history um, over and over again. Because... None of us are given inerrant interpretive abilities for the Holy Scripture. That's what the church is for in the right way. This is what creeds were for. This is what confessions were for. This is what books written before our time were for. This is the idea of standing on the shoulders of giants, being able to, to reason together and compare Scripture with Scripture and to be able to say, is this truly what the Bible teaches? And so this is what we have to do is interpret chapter 13 in light of the rest of Scripture. But what we will do is interpret it based on what we want to be true. And that's when you get into trouble with Scripture, is what do I prefer to be true over what is true? So Satan wants to be worshipped. He wants to destroy the church because it opposes him. It's in the image of God on earth. He hates God and all things of God. In 12.12, we're told he comes to the earth in great wrath because he knows his time is short. He sees and he knows he can't destroy the church, so he goes after all the believers that he can. And so if you just look at 13.11, we see, I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. So two horns like a lamb. Um, Christ is the lamb, and so he's trying to do an imitative thing here. So look back at Revelation 5.6, and let's see what the lamb is described like, who is the true lamb, who is Jesus Christ. So Revelation 5, 6. <clears throat> and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And when he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song to him, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, for you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that's in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshipped and in 13 11 I saw another beast, again, beasts being animalistic, not even human-like, down to our basis, 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 most base instincts, 
rising out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast in its presence, and it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to the earth in front of people, and by the signs it's allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that whose wound wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it, so there's a huge difference between this little lamb that's trying to appear to be Christ-like, trying to appear to um, bring um, the answers to our problems that's trying to say um, you know the vote for me I'll set you free but there's a smallness in comparative power um, verse 11 is lamb like mild peaceful but he speaks like a dragon so you can tell by the things that he says that this is for those who have ears to hear it's like these things aren't lining up and C.S. Lewis at the big preface to or commentary on um, his book Screwtape Letters he says he listened to Hitler and he said, it, a lot of it just sounded right and true. He says, but I knew the truth. And I, but if I didn't, I can see, I could easily see how people were just taken in by the words and by how he sounded because he, he, he was able to clue into the, these, these human feelings and things that people had. So we have to listen to the words of those who claim to be prophets, those who claim to speak truth. That's what a prophet does, but true truth only comes from God. The false prophet can sound good for a while, but we have to listen for the dragon's voice, peace, security, and justice. But how? How do we get peace? How do we have justice? How do we have security? And what you'll see is hatred, violence, greed, coercion manipulation of fear, lust, and greed. It is turn on the news and, and, and listen to what the world is saying we need. 1312, he had authority in the presence of the first beast. So the false prophet has power as long as the state allows it. This is the teaching of Revelation here, the false prophet. And this is not just any government. This is, you know, a state that has become demonized. It has been controlled. I mean, and the problem is every state is somewhat is fallen because we're all human. We're all fallen. Don't ever forget that government is just people too, um, fallen people. So our founders started our government with this idea of separation of powers and checks and balances and things like that to try to keep any one individual fallen human being from exercising too much authority and power because that's a worldview that recognizes a transcendent power and there's good and there's evil and you have to keep that in check. But once that worldview is gone, then what do you have? And any worldview that's other than just worldly, if you're gonna talk about transcendent reality, you're borrowing from Christianity and that's gonna to have to be gotten rid of. So it's all gonna come down to what we see Revelation talking about. So the false prophet has power as long as the state allows it. And the power of the false prophet um, is promoted by the state because the false prophet is promoting the state. Um, it makes the earth dwellers, as we see here, worship the state, worship the first beast. So the false prophet is causing this. And so what is worship? And it's giving the place of first importance to something. The place of, you know what it's like when you're you're younger and you're a boy or a girl and you've got this other person you're, you're seeing and it's like, 
oh my goodness, you know, we call them idols even, American Idol is for this, you know, you might have a, a singer that you worship, yet something that you can't take your mind off of, it's all there is, I will die if I don't have it, she leaves me, I'm done, you know, that's, you're worshiping that, so you have to be careful because what the false prophet does is calls the earth dwellers, those who aren't seeing things through spiritual eyes, the non-believers, they're going to worship the beast, they're going to worship this power, give it first importance, give it the place of ultimate authority and power, and to look to the state for peace, security, safety, for guidance, then command us, please, you know what's best, these idiots out here won't pay attention, but you, oh, whoever, great leader, lead us, command us, we grant you supreme executive power to do whatever it is that you need to do, mandate all your will so that we might live for our good. So how does that manifest itself today? So in the past, it's been ungodly churches that have given the state power. You'd have, um, you know, whatever church might be, you know, you had the, the priest or the pope or the whoever the ruler is over the church would anoint the king that saying that they have authority even over the king. So the king had power as long as the church was, so there was this, you know, you see it clearly set up between the beast and the false prophet that was being promoted. So the church had a lot of authority to do this in the past, and maybe in some ways today we even see that um, going to work. And then there's also today, um, then this is, that's why our founders didn't want a state-controlled church, had to be careful with that too. Um, our founders also, if I talk about the founding of this country, they were sinners, they were, you know, they were, they fall short too. We're supposed to always be trying to, to make things better and to move forward and to do things according to Christ and the way he, he calls things to be. Um, today, news media gives the state power when it's on the same team. You see how that kind of works together. Um, social media, the, you can just see, you brought up the Rittenhouse thing, it's like, you tell what side people are on by the way they um what they you know they're they're saying they're either trying to say i hate the government we can't have it or oh we need some other you know it's like they're trying to give power to their thoughts on this thing rather than saying um you know let justice be done you know these are image bearers people who don't have a christian worldview don't understand image bearers if they do they're borrowing that from us what they ultimately will understand is power and control. And so people who are worshipers of God, we should know better. And as Rob said, we should speak more Christ-like, not sound like demonized state power, not try to give more and more power to our guy when he's in there because we're just doing the same thing. We're trying to be, you have to be careful that you're not a false prophet. Be careful that what you understand is the Christ-like way of viewing these things love your enemies as yourself. Now, I'm not talking about the idea of self-defense or not self-defense. Should somebody have done what they did? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you need to have as your foundation beneath you the solid rock of Christ Jesus informed by the gospel, informed by scripture, informed by Jesus Christ so that the very actions you have, it's the idea of you step on a ketchup packet. Ketchup comes out. Mustard comes out of a mustard packet. What comes out of you when you get stepped on? And it needs to be Jesus Christ. It needs to be the gospel. It needs to be forgiveness, love, mercy. And then how do you apply this when somebody's trying to bust into your house and kill you? 
you know, you have a right to self-defense. I mean, there's these things as well, but you have to be careful at what point are you excited that somebody's breaking into your house so that you can kill them, and at what point are you thinking, I don't care if you, if you kill everybody around me because I'm supposed to just be pacifistic. So these are the things to think about in the Christ-like worldview that God has given us. Um, scientists and doctors, secular scientists, secular doctors, even Christians can sometimes worship the beast to give the state power to force agendas. That's what you have to be careful of and watch out, giving the state power to force our worldly agendas. So don't be a false prophet and don't worship anything other than God. Um, if you want to read Matthew 7, I don't have time to turn to it, but 15 through 20, Jesus warns about false prophets who will come into the world. Matthew 24, 24, there'll be many false prophets that come into the world and that they'll do many signs and wonders. So just because somebody can produce great signs and wonders doesn't mean it's necessarily of God and from God. 13, 13, um, it performs great signs and wonders. He's making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. So what are the great signs that we see today or have seen? And they are, I mean, peace. That's a powerful thing for a government to have produced or war or prosperity technological advancements all these things that the 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 world the government is able to produce and say look how miraculous this is i can take care of you you follow me and you will live you will we will have the masses will have prosperity and peace and they'll all get along well i can look what we've done we can do this too we can control the world we can make these things happen then you get the 14 and 15 in chapter 13 it's allowed to work these things in the presence of the beast it deceives those who dwell on the earth telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and live and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain so one is coercive power is what we're looking at. So if you don't get on board with this, then that's it for you. If you go to Daniel chapter 3, wish we had time to read that. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, they're telling him, you know, we're going to make a, an, a great image of yourself. You build a giant statue of yourself and then have all the leaders, all the government powers, all the people who are under you to come down and bow down before and offer incense to your image. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego won't do it. They disobey in order from the highest power of their government to bow down and worship this image he's created for himself. We can bow down and worship only God. And he's like, go ahead, throw you in the fiery furnace. And he gets so angry at them that um, he heats it to seven times its heat. There's a little number seven. Seven times as much as normal so that when they go to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, the two guys that are throwing them in there get burned up and they're consumed. They throw them in there and Nebuchadnezzar looks and he sees, he says, I put three people in there. Why is there a fourth? And he looks like a son of God, he even says. It's obviously a pre-incarnate Jesus walking with his people in the midst of the fiery furnace for not bowing down to to this demonized state government, but instead saying, I will worship only God. He says, Nebuchadnezzar says, bring them out. Not a hair is singed, nothing on their clothes, don't even smell like smoke, and it's just the three of them. And then Nebuchadnezzar says, grant them great authority and power. Their God is great. And so John, through the Holy Spirit, wants us to look back at that and say, I am with you. Though you may be cast into the fire, 
I am greater than the fire. Um, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. They didn't need him. They didn't do nothing. Christians, during Nero's time and after, were thrown into the lion's den, torn apart. One of my a, a painting, I don't know who did it, and I've seen it, though, is a, a pastor standing, his congregation gathered around him as they're all down and kneeling in prayer, and the lions are going around, and the Colosseum is full of people just waiting to see the show. And then you read in Revelation about the two witnesses, and when they die, the world celebrates and gives gifts to each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. This is people. This isn't. This is. This is what happens when God removes His restraining influence from the world. It becomes more and more violent. If all there is is this, and we the world is attaining to godlike status without having the concept of God, then this is what happens. And as believers, we're supposed to be able to stand in the middle of a coliseum surrounded by roaring lions knowing that if we are torn apart we win if we are tied to the stake and we are set on fire as christians have it has happened to them during the church time then we have victory there are some who in the midst of being tortured for their faith they gave up i'm i'm out Caesar's Lord. What you want me to say, I'll say it. And so the early church um, didn't want to let them back into the church. But then there were these other Christians who had withstood terrible persecution and torture, and they never denied the faith. And they were kind of super Christians for a while. And um, they were given high, elevated status in the church. And they're the ones who said, don't you dare kick those guys out. You don't know what it's like. You don't, know what it's like. you don't know what it was like if the grace of God had not powerfully come down every one of us would have given up immediately every one of us let him in so we have the gospel but we don't even have to go back that far in history to see Christians being tortured for their faith and you can even we could pull the veil back to see many who were being tortured for their faith even today but the image of the beast coercive power, false religion, demonic ideologies, philosophies, psychologies. It gives breath to the state's machinery. And so true belief stunts that power. And that's why so many totalitarian governments ban Christianity because they'll have no rival gods. And so we have to make sure that we have no gods which are rivaled. Have you noticed in culture how it's becoming increasingly difficult to just blend? You know, I mean... The things you have to let your children watch on TV, the songs that you might come across on the radio, um, the things that government is pushing, the laws that are being passed, the people that you talk to, how you just would love to just be able to say, I know, I know, I know. It's like, it's going to get harder. And guess what? You're supposed to shine like lights in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Shine like lights. How are you going to do it? You have a choice. You either blend or you stand out. And the Chinese have a saying, the nail that protrudes is struck by the hammer. But we stand out because we're supposed to stand up for Christ. So we have to be careful, and we have to recognize 
recognize that the church is powerful. You resist the devil and he runs from us. We have spiritual authority. Don't believe the lies of the world. Teach your children um, to know what it is we believe. Teach them to be different. Teach them to stand out from the world. That's why we baptize our children. They are different and to be different from the world. They're not to be coddled and babied, but they need to be nourished and trained to fight spiritual warfare with the sword of the spirit, shield of faith, helm of salvation. So you have to model that image as a warrior. The knight, the noble knight slaying the dragons, standing up with the shield, protecting your family, protecting um, those around you in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. We are the 144,000. Look at 14.1. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood a lamb. This is the real lamb. And with him there's 144,000. It's not 666. This is like... 12,000 from each of the 12 is a fullness of our number. And we have one on, look what we have, the mark that we have. We have our, his name written on our foreheads. Now, this goes back to the, the thing with it, it goes back to um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, or somewhere right in there, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall, take, you shall teach your children, and you shall um, take, his, take his word and, and wear it on your head and wear it on your hand. It's, it's these frontlets they used to wear. And um, this is where this comes from. Uh, it's, it's not anything new. It's, this is God saying, your mind, get your head in the game. It needs to be following me, your hand. Everything that you do is energized by this. And so Satan comes along and says, I'm going to mark my people. And that's like slaves. But the 144,000, if you recall, they're sealed. That's different. And there's two different words. Sealing is what happens when you're keeping something fresh and when you're authenticating it with your seal. These guys are just marked. They used to tattoo slaves and mark them to say, these are mine, and this is what happens. But the 144,000 in 14.2, I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters, like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing with their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures. Same before the elders, and no one can learn that song except for the church, the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. This is what we're going to be doing. These have been redeemed from mankind as firstfruits for God and the Lamb, and in their mouth was no life found, for they are blameless. And I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those that dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the spring and the water. And another angel, a second angel, said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of her passion and of her sexual immorality. And a third angel comes and says with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead and his hand, he would drink the wine of God's wrath poured out full strength. Verse 12, here's a call for endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of their God and their faith in Jesus. So whatever the mark of the beast is, if you get it, you're going to hell. So how bad is that going to be? I love Jesus, I follow him, I got baptized, I go to the Lord's Supper, I have faith in him. I didn't realize that was the mark. Sorry, you're out. <laughs> it's just not, there's no way that's what it is. So it's, you're sealed, believer. You come to Christ, you're sealed, you're protected, you're valued, you're his. It gives us his supper as another sealing of saying, you're mine, I protect you, I do this. The mark of the beast is you don't believe this stuff. 
I'm not a part of this. You eat, drink this to your judgment and condemnation. But for the church, as we see these things happening, this is a great opportunity to share the gospel. But if you're afraid of what might happen to you, if you're going to be the snowflake, you're out. It's going to be hard for you. We have to learn what it means to be the noble knight, to be the one who's able to stand forth and say, this line and no further. I love you, I love you, I love you. I worship the God in heaven, and you need to know him too. And he gives us himself. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us and care for us, nurture us in the desert. You protect us even if we fall and are killed. Um, we live. Help us to live in light of that, knowing that this world is simply not all there is. This world is fallen and cursed, but the kingdom is coming, it's growing, and we pray that we'll grow stronger and that you will help us to stand forth as a light to other people. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.